Welcome to The Dangerous Leader, where we invite leaders to share their best experiences thriving in a world that expects them to conform so that you can thrive too. Hello there. I am Dr. Jennifer Murphy here along with Logan Schultz in the producer booth. Hey, Logan, did you have ice cream for breakfast today? Oh, I wish I did. Yeah. If you were going to have ice cream for breakfast, what flavor would you have had? Ooh, um... Man, I'm a peanut butter chocolate guy. Ah, dude, me too. That's awesome. That's why we get along. The ice cream connection. That's what they call it, yeah. (laughs) So today's guest did actually have ice cream for breakfast right across the street from the studios that we recorded because I gave her bad intel on the coffee shop availability in the area. But she made it here. She was happy to have ice cream. We're all happy to have her here. Now, I am the creator of the Art of Living Dangerously Leadership Model, and I really am ruthlessly focused on helping other people succeed, figure out what it is they want to do and how to get there, and really, so is today's guest. So today, I've got April Keating on the show, and April and I connected about a year, a little over a year ago, through a Veterans and Military Spouses Mentoring Network called Veterati. And she was just asking some questions. She was a new returnee to Iowa. She's a military spouse. Today, she volunteers as an ESGR volunteer, which she talks about in the show. And you'll get that acronym definition then. So you got to listen to understand what it is. Or I guess you could Google it. But don't do that. Listen to the show. Um, And she also is a really big advocate and passionate about this idea of people who find these big gaps in their professional careers and Um, really kind of helping them find that direction. And she's channeling that in a couple of really cool ways that she shares with us. So April shares her story of following her spouse around the country and also having to make some of those key career choices as she navigated her own career while following him around. She talks about her personal identity, some of those WTF moments where she's making those career moves, trying to figure out the right path to take, the right places to invest, and how to really leverage her network, and also continue to support both herself and her husband and growing family. Now, we're going to get into all of that tension, friction, and challenge that comes along with those issues, as well as exploring the idea of you know, what is it that you want to do and how do you create the path to get there? And we all know that can be a really tough place to find both clarity and action to take. So with that, I give you the latest episode of the Dangerous Leader podcast and my guest and newly in-person friend, April Keating. Hey, thanks, April, for coming in today. Um, and thank you for having ice cream for lunch today. You'll have <laughs> to share that story as part of a part of your experience. Um, but you came all the way in from the Quad Cities. And so I always have to be appreciative when people are willing to drive to come in and talk with me on this podcast. So thank you very much for that. But I did just kind of want to I wanted to start with just, you know, I think I met you gosh, six, nine months ago, a year ago. I don't even remember. It it's been a while. It might have been a year ago. Yeah, it's been a while. But we had not ever met in person, right? So we got today was today was the day, first day, (laughs) and so um, yeah. And I think we you reached out because you were moving into the Quad Cities and kind of getting established and started and wanting to connect and all of that good stuff. Actually, yeah, actually, it was a mentorship platform. Yeah, Betterati. Yes, Betterati. Yeah, Um, and I was you know exploring what I wanted to do next. That since um, my husband was transitioning out of the military, we were moving back here. Yeah. Um, and 
you looked interesting when I when I was well, searching thank you. <laughs> and um, so I reached out to you and then I was like well bonus she's local yeah. I'm using yeah. air quotes but yeah yeah, yeah. So. Midwest local yeah. Right? yeah 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 so so how um where are you now? Like, what are you doing now? Because I see you with all kinds of different things. I know you have a business. You're really active as a military spouse advocate. Like, what? Tell us kind of where your focus is these days, and then we'll back up from there. All over the place. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I still operate as a consultant. So um, have my own business, um, but I work primarily. I do have like three clients, but I work primarily with one. And uh, the work that we do is helping people go back to work after taking an extended career break. Yeah. And we also work with the companies that uh, hire that from that talent pool. So yeah. it's really interesting work. The re and I've been working with this company since 2016. Mm. Okay. Um, and a, a friend had introduced me to um, this particular organization uh, called iRelaunch. And she was like, Hey, I know you're doing your own thing, but they're looking for somebody who does exactly what you do. And so I okay. checked them out and I looked at it and I was like, uh, and, and I have this heart for military spouses, mm -hmm. um, and, um, who experience career challenges as I did. Yeah. Um, and I immediately saw the value for that, um, community of folks. Yeah. So, uh, was lucky enough to, um, start working with, with I relaunch and, um, have been doing that ever since. Uh, but in the past, oh, I'd say 18 months, mm -hmm. I've really stepped up trying to get the word out to the military community that this is a resource that exists, yeah. especially after going through a military transition with my husband. And right. um, that is a whole nother challenge in and of itself. Yeah, And it can be kind of a scary time because it's, it's kind of like a blank slate. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it feels a little bit like you're setting yourself up for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so having, um, a resource like this where you can step into, um, you know, a returnship is kind of what some people call them, but, um, step into something like that to help you for yeah. the next phase of your career or, or of your professional life, um, is, is really valuable. Um, so I do that work. I work from home, uh, which is good and bad. I did it before it was cool back in the, you know, before the, the C word with five letters that we won't mention happened. Um, but you know, it's great from the, from the aspect we have two kids who are, um, in at this point, fifth and seventh grade mm. involved in lots of different things. And it allows that flexibility still for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, did the work that I did when my husband was active because it, yeah. had, it allowed me to, to do that while we moved around and, yeah. um, and he had crazy schedules, <clears throat> but it still allows me to have that flexibility to do, um, yeah. to be there with my kids activities. I love doing that. And yeah. it is really my social life, to be honest, <laughs> sadly. Um, I don't think that's sad. Don't qualify it as sad. I think that's, I think that oh, is What are you natural. doing on a Friday night? Oh, I'm going to hockey practice. What oh, are you doing? Been there. Uh, driving to Kansas City for a soccer tournament. Been yeah. there, sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I like it. I love it from that aspect. Um, but it, yeah. it, it's isolating, you know, yeah. and I, and I like to be around people. So when I had an opportunity yeah. to drive to Cedar Rapids today <laughs> to be around people, I was yeah. like, I'm in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so I do that. And, and, uh, and like I said, I have this heart for military spouses. So when I first married my husband, mm -hmm. um, I left a corporate career yeah. 
And so what what were you doing corporate career wise? So I worked for an agricultural company Uh in, um, in Iowa. Yeah in a leadership role and had worked at that company for nine years. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it kind of like worked my way up into that position. Yeah. Loved. So you were establishing a career. Like at nine years, you had that possibility to keep going if you wanted to, but there was a decision point. I did. I did. Um, But, you know, at the same point, like I was just kind of, I was just kind of working. Like I didn't have a a goal in mind of, you know, where I like, I, I wasn't climbing that, that corporate ladder. I was just uh-huh. enjoying what I was doing. So I want to, I just want to tug on that thread for a second because I work with so many people as a coach who are in that same thing. Well, I got this job. They pay me pretty well. They just kind of continue to promote me and I'm riding that wave. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to ride it. And that's where I am now. And then I think a lot of us wake up and we're like, wait a minute, what, what am I doing? Like, or we're forced this? to get shook up, yeah. which is kind of what happened. Yeah, or me. there's a life thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, now my eyes are open to some things I wasn't necessarily tuned into before. So tell us what your life thing was. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be uncomfortable to get away from what is, yeah. you know. Quote, unquote, um, safe. Yeah, safe and customary. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I married BJ, and he, so he's National Guard. Right. Um, and... Prior, when I met him, he mm-hmm. was um, a classification where he was only in the state of Iowa. Okay. And was then he active National Guard? Active National Guard. Okay, so Title just 32. For, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so just for people that are not familiar with that structure, you can be in the National Guard and do your one week in a month, two weeks a year, and that can be all you really ever have to do. As you progress in rank, that does change a little bit, just as a side note. But there's also the status that you can go into, which is active duty, but you're still National Guard status. So basically, that just means you're working full time. You just still have this other status attached to you. And so there's sometimes different rules, different things that can happen, potentially different kinds of positions that you can go into. Example, my friend, um, I have a friend who is, uh, I'm on his dissertation committee for his doctorate, and he is a Texas National Guard member who works and lives in D.C., so just mm-hmm. for people who are not familiar with that, that's kind of, that's what we're talking about. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and so when, it was about the time we decided to get married, actually, I think right before he um, proposed to me, he decided to, to change his classification to what's called Title 10. So mm-hmm. then he, he can be on worldwide assignment. So yeah. it's a little bit like, you know, and I, again, I'm using the air quotes, big army. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and immediately got orders to D.C., Washington, D.C. <laughs> of so course. This, this Midwest girl who had never been outside or, you know, lived outside of Iowa suddenly was facing a move to Washington, D.C. in pretty short order, actually. Yeah. And so uh, that was a, the, a huge shakeup. So one, I quit my job at the, you know, at the, at the, at the corporate, uh, the corporate job and followed him to Washington, D.C., where mm-hmm. I knew not a soul. And the job that he had, uh, he was traveling every other week. So he would be gone every other week. Mm-hmm. And I tell this story a lot. I distinctly remember you know, so I went out with him. We found a place to live. I flew back to Iowa, wrapped up, you know, we had a condo. So, you know, yeah. wrapped up that sale, met the moving trucks. <clears throat> My dad drove with me out to D.C. Um, to meet the moving trucks. We arrived in D.C. on like a Sunday, I think. And on Monday morning, B.J. flew to 
to his, um, you know, where he had to be for the week. And my dad flew home and the moving truck showed up and we had a one bedroom apartment (laughs) and it was full of boxes by the end of the day. (laughs) And BJ and I, BJ, my husband and I rode bicycles a lot. We had actually done Ragbri right before we sold our condo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, and so, so, and if you're not an Iowa native or a Midwest native or a cyclist, RAGBRAI is a ride across Iowa. I can't remember what RAGBRAI stands for, but it is an acronym. Registers annual great bike ride across Iowa. Oh, you're amazing. So <laughs> RAGBRAI, it's you start in one river, you go to the other river, you can do chunks of it. You camp out in towns across Iowa. The route's different every year. It's a huge party, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's always fun for the communities that are ridden through. And it's it's a thing. You say RAGBRAI in Iowa Everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <So>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that was the third one that, that I had been on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we were, you know, we had we'd done a, a bit of bicycling. And so this apartment we moved into, I knew where the bike ra- uh, bike trail was, <laughs> not far from the yeah. apartment. And so priorities, I think it was priorities. <laughs> I think it was about, uh, you know, so I said our stuff showed up on Monday. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of that week. I finally, you know, after not leaving the apartment really, I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, I just got to get some air. And so I got on my bike, went to the bike trail, started to ride. And suddenly I thought, if my tire goes flat, I have nobody to call. I don't know who I'd call. (laughs) Yeah. So I turned around and went back home. And that was like, it was a huge, I don't want to say slap in the face, but it was like, I don't know a soul. Yeah. And my husband is gone. I don't know how to get around in this city. Yeah. Um, So... And that's a really different environment, too. I mean, you talk about the. I was going to have you talk a little more about the military spouse experience, but just, you know, when you're a military spouse and you report to, like, just a quote-unquote regular military base, there's usually some sort of, you know, in-processing. There's usually a spouse's group that you can connect with. There's commanders, that you know, spouses that will welcome you. There's those kinds of things that can happen. I'm not going to say they happen every time, but they can happen. A place like D.C. tends to be more bureaucratic, more there's not you're not necessarily re- you're reporting to a location It's absolutely military location. I think we can all acknowledge mm-hmm. that. But it is a different environment. Yeah. You know, like you walked in, you you had probably the most austere spouse environment to walk into as your first exposure without any other spousal connections mm-hmm. and your you know, your husband making that change where he you know he didn't have probably that huge broad network of connections either where he could hook you up with a bunch of people so that is a scary thing that yeah. is I mean that's a that's an isolating feeling uh, very isolating yeah. um, and that wasn't the first time throughout his military career <laughs> oh, I felt I'm that sure. way <laughs> but it, you know what I noticed now with him, and so this, he's National Guard, and, yeah. uh, you know, I say we're like big army, but there's right. differences. Yeah. Um, and, and in D.C. in particular, he was um, stationed at National Guard Bureau, so it, it wasn't yeah. like a Fort Myer or Fort Belvoir. Right. It was, you know, so that's a little different in and of itself how they approach things. But it, in each of those locations, he had a, I think they call it a sponsorship program, mm-hmm. where one of the other soldiers that he works with, like, will help him get onboarded, yep. would help him get his computer and all that kind of stuff. But there is not anything that exists like that for spouses. So you're mm-hmm. left to figure out schools, grocery stores, mm-hmm. um, all the other stuff of the household. You're mm-hmm. left to figure that out on your own. And a lot of times, you know, well, if you have children or, um, you know, other people that you're taking care of, then you have to figure that out a lot. You know, right. And there's no one to take care of them for you. You right. like have to 
figure all this out. Yeah. Um, which side note, that's one of the things that makes military spouses like great employees mm-hmm. um, or business owners because of that resiliency and that figure outiveness. Yeah. Problem solvers. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, we're kind of left to figure stuff out and that's just what we do. Yeah. But, um, but so for that first year, really, I didn't work mm-hmm. and I find, so this was kind of, it was the beginning of the GPS era. So we had like sure. this Tom Tom. I remember yep. that thing. It was huge, <laughs> huge. Um, but it was, it was really cumbersome. So I went to the the gas station and bought these maps yeah. that you could page through and it had different parts of the city in it. And I would keep them in my car. And so I'd get on like a main road and I'd just follow it. Mm-hmm. And then when I'd get lost, I'd pull out the map, figure out where I was and find. And so that's how I learned my way around. So I did the same thing when I moved here to Cedar Rapids. Oh. I literally, I did the same thing because I got here and I had, I think four days before I had to start work. And I, I had the, um, I had the Garmin GPS, mm-hmm. but I do have to tell a funny story about Tom Tom for just a quick second. <laughs> I was in, I was traveling in, um, Ann Arbor, Michigan with my, with one of my leaders at, when I used to work for Rockwell Collins and he had a Tom Tom that he brought with him and he changed it to the Mr. T voice. Oh my gosh. And I missed a turn. I, of course, I'm driving, you know, cause you gotta I drive your boss around apparently. The turn. It did. And he thought that was the funniest thing. And so he started covering the screen so I would miss turns so he could hear the, the stupid Tom Tom berate me. He thought it was hilarious. I mean, oh it was gosh. funny. I wasn't feeling at all abused or like picked on or anything. I do have to be clear about that. This was not a bad situation. It was so funny. We probably drove around for 20 minutes just purposely being lost so we could listen to Mr. T tell me what a dummy I was. So. Well, somewhat different, but, you know, kind of like to back up when um, BJ and I first drove into DC. So this was like fresh, like just driving straight in. And we were, we were going to stay in base housing. So we had to find Fort Meyer to get to the housing (laughs) office. I literally had printed out MapQuest directions on paper. Yeah. That was the thing in the day. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I missed the turn. Pity the fool. We found the Pentagon, but we did not find Fort Meyer. (laughs) And well, it was the first fight of our married oh, life. So yeah. <laughs> travel does that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My second husband on our way back from our honeymoon, I was ready to divorce him. We were in Chicago traffic uh-huh. and he is not a traffic guy. And we saved our marriage by pulling over and letting me drive out of the traffic <laughs> because he was not having a good day. So I can relate. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> patience is patience is a good thing yeah. when you're in traffic. Yeah. My in fact, my ex husband refused to drive in California. Oh. <laughs> he would not drive in the state. I was like, it's not that bad. I grew up in California, so okay. I'm used to it. Yeah. But he was just like, Nope, not doing it. You drive. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> But I do want you to kind of talk about because you you've touched on it a couple of times with your own experience, but but describe for people who aren't familiar with military life why is it why is a career hard as a military spouse? And then I want to kind of get back to your experience, like you know, getting into Washington because yeah. I think that that sets up a little bit of what you're going to talk about too. Like, can you describe in you know less than a hundred words? No, I'm just yeah, less than. A, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're going to limit me. It's a little different for everyone, but it's primarily the the transient nature of military life. I mean, yeah. we we moved on average every twenty. I think he figured it out twenty eight months. Yeah. 
Um, and so, and, and not just down the road, it was to a different state. Now right. we never went Oconus, which, mm-hmm. you know, live overseas. Um, but we did move from state to state. And so, um, you know, kind of, I guess, fast forward, one of the, one of our duty stations was Fort Benning, Georgia. Well, the town outside Fort Benning, Georgia, Columbus, mm-hmm. Georgia is fairly small and not a lot of opportunity for right. employment there. So, um, you know, if, if you're a military spouse who has a certain career field, uh, those opportunities just may not exist in different right. places. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's been one of the things that just as I, I work with a lot of transitioning veterans through a few of the organizations that I work with, and I hear that plight over and over, not even just for, you know, I hear it from the veteran, but then I always ask when I get one-on-one with them, so what about your spouse? What does your spouse do? What does she want to do? And you know, and it's always that conversation of, well, she's had, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it is almost, almost consistently, it is there's something that has disturbed her career or his career, if I'm speaking with, yeah. a, with a woman veteran, you know, over this amount of time that, you know, that has created some of that. You, I think you use the word instability or um, career challenge challenges. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it can be that. And it's also childcare or, yeah. um, you know, some people have an elder yeah. um, that, that they're taking care of and and there's just there are not good options that exist for mm-hmm. for taking care of those those kids and yeah. and and secondly you know I I didn't experience this a ton but um sometimes the service member's schedule is really wacky yeah. and um they may be on duty for you know like 48 hours straight or something mm-hmm. like that so um to find yeah. child care yeah. for the middle of the night is really, really hard. <laughs> I've always thought about that gap ever since my son was little and I was doing business travel and mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, and my husband who was a construction guy would be working these 15 hour days because of a shutdown or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how, how do we do this? So yeah, I mean, there's that childcare is such a challenge in this country as a whole. Yeah. And then when you get that dynamic of not being able to establish those care relationships and build those relationships when you're moving that Mm -hmm. every, you know, two to two and a half years, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So go back to DC, you guys started in DC and then kind of where, what, what happened next? You were getting exposed to military spouse life. So the first year in DC was figuring it out. The second year, uh, I actually went out and I got a job at Mm -hmm. a, for a government contracting company, but I worked in the office. Yeah. So I was, um, you know, like an admin person in the office and then I wanted to make more money so I was working for the same company but got put on a contract Mm -hmm. so um it it was about August of the year and my husband was called up for deployment and so you know of course I'd been not been working for this company for terribly long so I didn't have a lot of paid time off and um so I, but I spent some of that time with him before he went on deployment. Sure. So then, it, you know, Christmas comes around and this was probably our, it was second or third Christmas, mm-hmm. um, in DC. And so by then I knew some people, but my family was all back in Iowa Right. and he was deployed and I wanted to spend Christmas with my family. Who doesn't? Well, okay. There's probably people who don't, but, yeah. um, but I was up against this. I don't have any paid time off to take. Yeah. To, to go back. And so I was working, the army was the client that I was um, working with. Um, So the leader of that 
particular office said, sure, you can take time off without pay. I don't care. You know, we kind of shut down over the holidays anyway. But the leadership at the contracting company said, I'm sorry, no, you either Mm -hmm. you you Mm -hmm. can't take time off without pay. So then I was faced with this decision. Do I quit my job? Right. So I can go home and spend time with family during the holidays or do I keep working and spend the holidays alone? And that was another one of those head slap moments, um, or I think you call them WTF moments. Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> see, I have listened. To I know you have. Episodes. I appreciate that. Um, and so we decided I was going to quit my job. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, you know, at the urging of one of the leaders at the contracting company I worked with, I had, I had done some college classes um, here and there before moving to DC. Um, and so at the urging of him, I actually went back to my college, was able to piece this together and got an associate's degree out of it. Nice. Um, yeah, I am, um, forever indebted to Don for (laughs) pushing me to do that. Um, but so then I have an associate's degree. I'm not working. Yeah. Um, we had an education center on post at Fort Myer. And so BJ and I decided, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my bachelor's degree. Yeah. Heck, why not? Um, And so that's what I did. So for the next few months, I went to school full time and I became a tourist. And um, and so I I got my bachelor's degree. And and after (laughs) after that, I actually did go back to work with that same army client, but for a different company for a short period of time before we we PCS out of DC. So we were there for about three years on that, yeah. on that stint. Yeah. But you got your degree out of it. I got my degree. You got some exposure experience. What is like to be a military spouse? Oh boy. So where was your head? Like you're at the end of this three years, y'all are getting ready to go to your next space where you're like, this is my life now and I'm okay with it. Or it was like, what the F this is my life. Where, where in that spectrum were you? <laughs> well, I was like, I don't, and I kind of shared, like I had, I had not developed career goals for myself. I wasn't like aspiring to be a CEO or, you know, um, PMP or anything like that. I was just kind of working my way through. And, um, so it wasn't that I kind of looked at where I was at and thought, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get there. It was just more like a, this is gonna be hard Mm -hmm. just to have a job Mm -hmm. and be a military spouse. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like a hard reality reality. was dawning for sure. Yeah. Starting to shine on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, our next duty station was Fort Benning, Georgia. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Out in the middle or, um, I, people would ask me where it was at and I'm like, do you know that Alan Jackson song way down yonder on the Chattahoochee? (laughs) I love it. That's exactly where that's at. (laughs) Um, so we got to Fort Benning and like I said, there's not a lot of options there. I ended up going to the manpower office. Yeah. And um, they hired me on and put me at Aflac. Ah, okay. Aflac. Yeah. Cute little so, ducky guy. Yeah. <laughs> Which was another great place to work. Um, but there was an economic downturn and mm. they ended up um, letting their temporary employees go. Yeah. And so at that point, then I was pregnant with our first child. Yeah. And so, you know, I remembered back to a conversation with somebody that I had, I had had back in D.C. And my background was all administrative type work. And this this guy I had talked to, I think his name was Cal. 
Um, Cal had told me he had met this gal who was a virtual assistant. And I was like, what? And so he's explaining it to me. It's like an admin assistant, but she does it online for lots of different companies. And at the time, I remember thinking, hmm, that sounds interesting. So I, I must have, like, filed it away, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, yep. and then um, after I get let go from manpower, like, this this file drawer came flying up to the front and opened <laughs> and, like, tripped me. I love that visual. <laughs> and I thought, well, I think maybe I can do this, even though I have no idea how to be an entrepreneur. None. None whatsoever. So I turned to Google. Sure. And found a gal who was a virtual assistant. She mentored others to do the same. And so I became part of her program and um, kind of followed her steps. And I opened my virtual assistant business, still not knowing what the heck I was doing, really. (laughs) But uh, it was, um, I think, April of 2010, I got my first client. Yeah. And it was... um, you know, not a, not a huge amount of work or anything like that, but it was a victory. Like, yeah. How'd that feel? Like, how'd you celebrate? What'd you, I just like a dance. I don't even know. Like I just felt good about it. And it was right around my birthday too. Yeah. Yeah. My name is April born in April. Yeah. (laughs) So is that, was that one of those, I mean, again, you know, using the analogy of the WTF moments with just plainly speaking, those are what the fuck moments or (laughs) yeah. Or I also sometimes substitute freedom for the F, but it's, um, you know, it is those moments where it's like, oh, here's a direction Yeah. in some cases. Sometimes it's a huge blow up and you get these bursts of realities, but sometimes it's a direction. And it sounds like that's what that was in that moment. How long did that direction last? I don't believe there are any um, like unplanned things. I I personally think that everything happens for a reason, Um, even though at the time you like, WTF. What is happening right now? What what reason could this possibly have? Um, But it was, you know, it was, it was hard at the time uh, because I was trying to figure this out and our first son was born in June. So this happened in April. He was born in June. Just getting started. Yeah. You're a new mom. And new mom, husband worked. um, He was a first sergeant. Okay. So he was, um, working a lot like in kind of crazy hours and then he was also going to school yeah so um you know so he was kind of off I don't want to say off the radar but that was probably one of the hardest times in our marriage oh yeah and um you know and being new parents and all that kind of stuff so yeah and so again just for people not familiar with the military when you're a first aren't you're responsible for usually a few hundred people Mm -hmm. pretty much everything that happens in that organization funnels to you and so if somebody's in trouble in the middle of the night, first aren't getting a phone call. If there are big training exercises that are happening, first aren't in the lead, making all that stuff happen. So there's a lot of things, you know, at that level that create some pretty non-standard hours. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment yeah. of your experience too? Yeah, I mean, you're think and think <clears throat> these are young soldiers yeah. who have, you know, who have money. Yeah. For now, some of for them the for the first, first time, time in their ever. life. They've been away from home for the first time in their life. You can yeah. imagine the kind of decisions or non decisions. cars at 25% interest rate. Uh, and, and fast ones, too. Marrying the girl they fell in love with at the bar last night. Uh-huh. And <laughs> at the off limits locations. Yes. <laughs> or the man. I mean, that goes both ways. Yeah. I should not be sexist yeah. in that. Yeah. That goes both ways. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, it makes for some interesting like uh, calls yeah. in the middle of the yeah. night god bless um, soldiers <laughs> 
young ones in particular. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I used to joke you could smell the testosterone when you drove on to Fort Benning. That you was, can. Yeah. Yeah. Even now with with more integration and more women, it's still. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. At that point though, third ID was still on Fort Benning. Were so they? Those yeah. were some those are hardcore soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Um that, that see a lot of crap. Um but um so that was that was a tough time, but you know, kind of just muddled through it and f- figured it out. Like mm-hmm. I talked about the whole figure it outable thing. Right. Kind of thing. Um, and so we were there for two years. Yeah. Two years. And then um, it, it's kind of strange. We did when, when it, our PCS, we, you know, so we started in Iowa. We yeah. went to DC. We went to Fort Benning, Georgia. We came back to Iowa again. Yeah. So um, from DC, we came back to Iowa, which is where family is, which is awesome mm-hmm. because, you know, we had help. We had childcare. Yeah. We had support. Yeah. Um, and so, but we, you know, so I should mention too. So when we were at, when DC, we lived off base in an apartment building and then we moved to a, a small house. Yeah. Um, when we were on Fort Benning, we lived in base housing. So we lived on the army installation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a whole different type of living, yeah. <laughs> which is, it's cool. It's yeah. cool, but, um, it's a little fish bully though. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, wake up in the morning and you'd hear all the basic training soldiers and the, yeah. you know, the, you've got reveille every morning. Uh-huh, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, heavy artillery fire in the afternoon yes. and it was, you know, yeah. great made for great days. So. Yeah. If you've never lived in a military town, I don't know if you've ever really lived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we came back to Iowa. We actually bought a house Mm. um, and, you know, not far from from my family anyway. And we had another child come along. So Mm. our kids are 14 months apart. Yeah. And I still was doing my own thing, still had the client. Uh, I might have added another one or so by this point. And then after our second child came along, who was um, more of a challenging baby, I will say, um, and then had two of them. But at some point I was like, I, I need to add more clients. Like if, mm-hmm. if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to have to like yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were kind of strapped financially too. So I ended up getting a part-time job for a while mm-hmm. also. And, you know, again, that was a, that was still a rough time for us. And, mm-hmm. um, even though we were close to family, it was, it was kind of tough. And, um, and then I think we were there for two and a half years and we had to move again mm-hmm. back to dc mm-hmm. so we sold that house which hurt me because i loved that Aww, little house yeah um, and after we got to dc um we you know rented a house there so we were you know again living off off base and we were just outside if you know dc there's the um beltway mm-hmm. and this time we were right outside the beltway and um, it was it was actually more of a, I, you know, I'd say more of like a family kind of neighborhood, whereas previously yeah. we'd been in more of kind of, you know, there were families there, but it was it was definitely a mix of singles and it was it was more happening. Yeah. More urban. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More hip. Yeah. Which was which was fun as a single person. Oh, well, sure. Or not single, but um, you know, no kids. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so we we were back in D.C. and um, I was like, OK, so. I'm going to have to like double down and figure something out here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'd been doing, I'd had the virtual assistant type of, um, 
you know, moniker. And, but I felt like when I was telling people what I did, like I, I can, I've never been able to nail down that elevator pitch. Right. And I felt like when I told people what I did for a living, I was apologizing like, well, I do this and I do that and I do this and I do, I'm a jack of all, a Jill of all the trades really, Yeah. you know? And so when you're saying all those things, you're saying nothing, you're, right? nothing's yeah. resonating. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I, I, I'm going to have to narrow in. I'm going to have to, you know, the, the riches are in the niches, right? Right. And so I leaned into the email marketing stuff that I do because um, I had a, you know, I, I, I had a partner, I guess, not really a partner, but um, there was a program that I could take advantage of with a trusted brand. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that. Sure. And, um, and so I did. And I found it was, you know, I built my client base. I was able to tell people more succinctly what I did. I started, um, they had another piece of the program where you could teach classes mm. Um, and get paid for the number of people that would come to the classes. Um, not a lot, but a little. Sure. Um, and, you know, and then in turn, if people asked you, like, how much do you charge to do this for me? Mm -hmm. Then you can bring them on as a client. It was really a pretty good, pretty good deal. Yeah. And um, I, I did pretty well for a couple years while yeah. I was in D.C., um, teaching the classes, going to networking and like literally you could make ne networking your full-time job there. Oh yeah. That and, makes sense. <laughs> but that network, I got to see the power of networking mm -hmm. in action then, you know, like I, I, it's not like I hadn't believed in it before, but it was huge. Like, uh, because word of mouth, you know, I'm teaching the classes one, but then I'm meeting people at like chamber events and small business centers right. and things like that. And, um, so it was really pretty cool. Yeah. And then we had to leave again. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to come back to Iowa this time? No, that was oh. back to Fort Benning again. Yeah. yeah. So is he infantry branch? Is that, no, or he's is logistics. He, he's logistics. Oh, that's right. You told me that. Logistics. Yeah. Because yeah, Army logistics National Guard. Too. Yeah. How we ended up at Fort Benning twice is really crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy, actually. Really crazy. Yeah. Um, but... But yeah, so back to Fort Benning we went, which yeah. is not one of my favorite places, I'll just be honest. Yeah, um, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. My my current husband spent quite a bit of time down there as well. I We were not married at the time. We've only been married three months, but yeah. or two months or however long. I don't know. I don't well, remember when we accidentally got married, but there's <laughs> another WTF moment. Yeah, it was one of those things. Yeah. But I love him. He's mine. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So back to Fort Benning, we went and we lived on post again. And um, the networking event or opportunities there are not very great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you went from this like rich environment, mm, build my business, meet mm -hmm. the people, all the things to Fort Benning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like put the brakes on right now. Yeah. But that goes to what you're talking about earlier, though, too, with that idea that like there are gaps. Like the environment that you were living and building within created all these gaps and your experience, while it is unique to you, it is not you. It's there is a university universality to that. I mean, that's not a word. There is, yeah. you know, there's a ubiquitous to that where yeah. you can you can see that in the military. You can see that just with people who are whose spouses or partners are in that position where they're moving around a lot for some other reason. You know, or like with my ex-husband, him having that career that where the jobs were or not normal hours, law enforcement officers deal mm -hmm. with this as well. Even though they can be in a city, their hours are weird. They're crazy. And so EMTs. they've kind of got that. Yeah. 
medical fields, yeah. really anything where you've got that kind of really crazy schedule can create that dynamic. It's not always just location. Yeah. So, well, and I'm seeing yeah. that now with manufacturing. My husband works in manufacturing, which, oh, you yeah. know, those hours, they kind of, they know what their hours are, but yeah. still, you know, the people that work second, third shift, that's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, childcare, if, if you're like a single parent and you work third shift, I don't know how they do it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you go to Benning, you've kind of been on this track. So did that take you off of the VA track of doing virtual assistance or did that, did you stick nope. with it? Stuck with it. Good. Um, and you know, by then I was, I was focused on email marketing mm -hmm. work. Um, and that actually that, that niche yeah. is still today really kind of where, where I'm focused, even though now I'm looking at doing something different. Sure figuring out what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. And now I wanna, that I don't have to move I anymore. I do want to get to that before yeah. we run out of time. So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, so there's really not much to tell, I guess, about that, that, that stint in Fort Benning. It was just kind of, you know, it was two years of just yeah. kind of just doing the same thing mm -hmm. really. And, um, you know, taking the kids to school and, um, yeah. you know, kind of managing that. So it was just kind of existing, I guess. Yeah. And I don't want to make that sound bad. Like no. I always wanted to make the best of wherever we lived. Yeah. And so even though I didn't love the Fort Benning area, I, the experience of living on a military installation is something that not many people get. And I realized that. And so I took it in as much as I could, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so we got, we got to see and do some pretty cool things. Yeah. Which, I, I made sure was a priority while we were there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and with young kids, like they're going to yeah. have some of those early core memories of a few of those things, I imagine. They do, yeah. but some of it they don't remember. Oh, but yeah. They're young. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, best ranger competition. I wish mm -hmm. they could remember more of that. That was one of oh, the coolest yeah. things about Fort Benning. Um, so then from Fort Benning, we, uh, we, we went to a new duty location mm -hmm. and that was Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, yeah. And we bought, we built a house there mm -hmm. because we knew that this was going to be BJ's last um, duty mm -hmm. uh, because he, so by the end of that tour, he would have put in 30 years altogether. So he yeah. did 10 years of the traditional guard, like you talked about, the one right. weekend amount, two weeks a year. And then after 9-11, he went full-time and he did 20 years of full-time. And so... We built a house there because we weren't sure. We weren't sure if we wanted to come back to Iowa, you know, yeah. winters. Hello. And yeah. uh, wind. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but family is mm -hmm. here, you know. So we had those two things in play, and we, we just weren't sure what we wanted yeah. to do. So we built a beautiful house in Madison, Alabama, which is a suburb of Huntsville mm -hmm. and settled in and we I'm telling you loved it there it is a that's a great area I mean honestly. when people hear Alabama they have like a preconceived yeah. notion um I love it out Huntsville's there. not that mm -hmm. it's a bubble yeah. um and you know it's a it's, cool town it's a real cool town <laughs> full of rocket mm -hmm. rocket engineers or you know yeah yeah. Really smart people. So Yeah, there's a pretty large aerospace and defense industry down there. A lot of training, simulation stuff happens in that area. So yeah, yeah. it is really neat. There's a big con there when I was working at Rockwell Collins, there's a big connection down to that area, yeah. back and forth, just because of all the work that was done down there. Yeah. And uh, it's just in, it's continuing to yeah. expand and uh, that area is growing like wildfire. I think it's one of the, uh, the fastest growing areas in the mm -hmm. whole country. So um so yeah, we 
BJ started to come to the end of his military career and he was very proactive about his transition. Um, you know, I really have to give him kudos for that. He, you know, started networking and he started looking at options and, um, so he had himself set up for success and he, he, but you know what? He didn't really know what he wanted to do. That's pretty common. It is pretty common. Like I hear that a lot. And Mm -hmm. in fact, I experience it myself, right? Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who do I want to be today? Um, So he actually found a SkillBridge internship back here in Iowa at John Deere. Nice. Um, And you know what? The whole time he was in the military, we never did the geobatch thing. Yeah. You're Um, lucky. And, but we did for that skill bridge. And so that was the first time we'd been apart in his whole military career. He was in Iowa. We were, I was in Alabama with the boys. That was another one of the hardest times in our marriage. Um, so he came up here and did, uh, the skill bridge in the spring of 2021. Yeah. And came back down to Alabama for like two weeks, got offered a job came back up to Iowa to start working the That's job. That's fantastic. So, um, you know, so there was that whole, like, I had the kids down there again, yeah. had to close up the house, had to, you know, yeah. you know, went through the summer with them before coming back up to Iowa and um, settling into, we bought a house mm-hmm. in Eldridge. And so that's where we're putting down roots, told the kids, you know, unless you want to, we're not moving school districts again. Yeah. And um, this is, this is it. We're, we're settled. And they all went, (sighs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're the perfect age for that. Yeah. So now, and just, you know, for just a little background, SkillBridge is a, usually it's a time bound kind of internship style program where active duty members go work for an organization. The military continues to pay their salary. But the organization gets to um, work with this person. This person gets to have that experience of kind of working with an industry. And then sometimes that results in a job offer. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes it's just a really good experience and they get to move on. So your husband was was one of the fortunate few that found something that he both liked and they wanted him. So that yeah. works that that doesn't always happen that way in a skill bridge. So, yeah. And there's a lot of different skill bridge opportunities out there. There's different different kinds of things that people can do. But I think that's really neat that that worked out. Yeah. And service members, <laughs> actually, if they want to do a skill bridge, yeah. um, they can set that up. Yeah. Work with an employer to set that up. Yep. And um, for employers, it's a really pretty good deal because the uh, Department of Defense pays those folks until yeah. Yeah. through that. It's like no cost to them except yeah. for the time spent with the training and, the, yeah. you know, like the, just the right. normal cost of bringing someone in, but no salary, no benefits, no, you yeah. know, none of those wrappers. So yeah. it's a great program. It really is. But I want to hear about kind of your, fo- you know, we have joked a lot about, I don't know what I want to be when yeah. I grow up. And you and I kind of share that joke. And that's, it's something I work with so many people on that is I've just floated, as we talked about earlier, I've, you know, rode the wave. I've had all these reasons I haven't been able to focus in on something. I've had a business idea idea here. I've worked in this industry here. I've done, you know, and then I had my kid or then I had this happen. And there's a million and one reasons that we can find gaps in our employment and kind of lose lose a thread or maybe never even find it mm-hmm. on what is that thing that's pulling me forward. My favorite way to describe kind of what that is, I heard it on the, I think it was the Jay Shetty podcast or his Calm app um, Daily Jay thing. I can't remember what it was, but he basically said, and I share this 
consistently with um, the special operations transitioning veterans that I get to work with through the Honor Foundation is your passion. What, what was it? Your um, your passion is a thing that kind of intrinsically motivates you. It's a thing, the desire mm-hmm. that you have to do something. Mm-hmm. And then that purpose is the impact you have on others. And so when I'm talking with them about, you know, I, uh, most of them are in that boat of, I don't know what I want to do. I just spent mm-hmm. the last 20 years, you know, being, being told what I was going to yeah, do. Yeah, you know, doing mm-hmm. information operations or being the guy with the gun or being the gal who's, you know, making sure that all these intelligence pieces of information are getting out, whatever that is in that community. They're like, A, how does that translate out into the world? And B, is that really what I want to keep doing? You know, is that really, you know, what I want to do? And so I think that there, you know, and then you've got the spouses on the other side, husband or wife, um, or just domestic partner that are, have been following them around (laughs) and getting the gaps and all that stuff and who are in that same boat. And now we've got people who are lost in a way. Like I literally, feel like, um, from both ends, there's, there's been this loss of identity. Yeah. Um, with spouses, like I've seen it throughout like active duty when they're, when their service member is still active duty, if they, if they don't have a career to call their own, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I'm not going to say that they don't have an identity, but some of them attach it to, um, I'm supporting everything he does. Like they become very, and I say he, um, I have some friends who are male military spouses yeah. also. Um, it's easy to defer to it, though. It is. There's I mean, because the majority, yeah, majority yeah. of military spouses are female, but I think that's maybe changing a little bit. It is. Um, yeah. But so the spouse is attached an identity to supporting the service member. Mm-hmm. Um, and even me, who had this thing that I called my own, um, I very strongly attached to military spouse, and when it mm-hmm. came time to transition, I took it harder than he did. Yeah. Um, you know, and so even with, with veterans, you know, like you said, they've, there's very much a rank and file system in the military, the way they make decisions are different and they're, they're much more impactful. People die if they Mm -hmm. don't make decisions quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's one thing I've seen with my husband since transitioning out of the military, he gets very frustrated with the way decisions are made in corporate America, Mm -hmm. um, because they're much slower and Mm -hmm. multi-layered and you know, so there's the whole, it is, it's an identity. I don't know about crisis. It is. I think it's an internal crisis. Like we tend to think of crises as impacting all kinds of people, but I think internally there is a bit of a crisis that we can go through in those transition points of our life, whether that's a military transition, kids leaving the nest, um, you know, whatever that, that is when we have those big changes, you know, I, I kind of jokingly call them what the fuck moments, but they're quite, there's, they are little mini crises. Mm -hmm. What is happening? What am I doing? Where am I going from here? You know, what am I going to get or not get that I want or don't want (laughs) in this moment? And so it's, there's a lot of uncertainty, so how is the work that you're wanting to do going forward going to focus on that? Because there is a connection there, right? There is a connection. <laughs> and so I should also mention, you know, so I've, I've always, ever since I started my own business, like a virtual business model, I've thought, man, this is something that would be really great for other military spouses because then mm-hmm. they have a way to like make money and, and do something yeah. and, it, and it carries through with them. And so, you know, since that kind of birthed this passion inside of me that I wanted to help other military spouses find their way with their careers, whatever that looked like. 
And so that's, that's driven me. And that's what, you know, when I, when I saw I relaunch and I saw that value, that was, you know, a, a big attractor for me. And when I, we were in Huntsville, Alabama, there's so many veterans in Huntsville, Alabama. A lot mm-hmm. of people retire there. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a target rich environment for, yes. for having an impact. Yeah. You know, I, it's not, I'm not driven by money. Mm-hmm. I'm driven by, I'm dri- more driven by helping people find things to help themselves. Yeah. And then coming back to Iowa was really hard because I look at Iowa, there's no active duty installation here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm like, how am I going to do this work that I want to do from Iowa? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got here, I started talking to people, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. That's, and that's how, how I connected with yeah. you um, and talked to a few other people. And I found um, employer support of the Garden Reserve, ESGR. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, you know, learning a little bit more about that, I was like, I think I want to do I want to volunteer to do this because yeah. this allows me to to do that kind of work that 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 fills that passion for yeah. me. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm. I have volunteered with that organization and I'm super excited about, um, all of that type of work that I get to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as like what's next, I'm still trying to figure that out. Like Mm -hmm. I've done recently a lot of, uh, personality profiles, like the whole disc and, uh, Myers-Briggs. I I didn't do Myers-Briggs, but, um, a couple of them like that, you Mm -hmm. know, just trying to figure out what, what that passion is for me. And, you know, I kind of, if you recall, I talked about teaching the classes. Yeah. Um, I found out when I did that, I absolutely love teaching classes. In fact, that was when I came up with my, my own definition of success is when I'm in a room with people teaching them and I can see there's a light that goes on in their eyes. Yeah. That light means that they get it. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is success. Yeah. So it's funny because I do, I just want to highlight this for you from what I'm hearing is that you do know what you want to do. <laughs> it's, it's just, just how do the, I make money yeah, doing it? Yeah, it's, you've got, you've got the idea. It's, you don't know the path to get there. Right. You don't know all the steps between where we are right now and where you want to be to make that a normal occurrence in your life. And that, a lot of times that's the struggle. Well, and uh, you know, you know I am, get to it. I'm going to, I'm just going to straight up admit this. I'm 48 years old yeah. and to do, to make, you know, it's not really a, a pivot because I yeah. kind of do some of that work already, yeah. <clears throat> but to make a change yeah. at that age yeah. is, I don't want to say scary, but I, it feels hard. Yeah. See, and I'm, so I am going to be 48 tomorrow. So we're about six months oh apart. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'm going to be 48 tomorrow. And I'm here to tell you, you can change until the day you die. <laughs> that is a permission slip I'm writing for you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. You need and to happy give, birthday. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> but you need to give that to yourself because this whole idea that ages are limiter is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> so yeah. no, you can't limit yourself. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now, lady. Well, we have got to wrap up. If you were going to just kind of share a final thought, if there is another military spouse out there listening, if there's someone going through their own big kind of crisis of who am I, where am I, what am I doing? Oh, my God, my life is changing again. If you had a piece of advice that you could give them, similar to what I just gave you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What would you tell them? Um, I would say talk to like you've built a network, especially if you're a military spouse. You've met a lot of people along the way. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are some great people in your corner. Yeah. So talk to them, lean into them, tell them what's going through your head and get their input. Like, um, 
and that's probably going to be different depending on like if you're introverted, extroverted, whatever the case may be, how much you want to share. But that is that is really what helps me is mm-hmm. to go to those people that I know that that love and support me. Yeah. And talking through these things with them. Yeah. And um, they 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 a lot of times can see the things that you can't or you can actually see them. You're just not choosing to. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to give you some tough love. They're going to lovingly let you know. yeah yeah well thank you so much april i mean again i feel like with every single conversation i ever have with someone like we could sit here and talk for hours there's so many threads i could pull um i do appreciate you again driving all the way out here having ice cream for breakfast with us (laughs) um you know making the trip it was great and i i definitely look forward to continuing to work with you as we go forward so it was an honor thank you jennifer Hey, y'all, thanks for listening to this episode of The Dangerous Leader. And, you know, as I reflect on this episode, what really stands out to me as a dangerous leader is that willingness to just keep pressing forward to find that thing that both fulfills you and makes an impact on the world in the kind of impact that you really want to make. And I think that that's important for all of us as humans and members of society. Now, if you liked what you heard, have got some comments or suggestions, Go ahead and like and follow the show and leave us those comments or suggestions. I really do love your feedback. You can find a list of some of the resources that we discussed to include a link to um, some of April's contact information in the show notes, as well as at dangerousleader.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at dangerousleadergroup. Now, before we sign off from today's session, I've got to give credit to the amazing team at LAS Media Network, who I now like even more that we share a love of peanut butter chocolate ice cream, who produce and distribute this podcast from right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If you want ad-free episodes of The Dangerous Leader, bonus content, and so much more, then consider subscribing to LAS Plus. All you've got to do is go to lasmedianetwork.com slash plus to get started. And always remember to lead dangerously, be you.